We are still talking about community, a subject of community, what it means for believers to to walk and live in community. Uh, so we have been doing this for a couple of weeks, and uh, this might be the last um, uh, message on community. Uh, so I'll try my best to, to make sure that it, is, it comes out perfect. Um, but I found it quite interesting as I was doing my share, of stu- share study of, um, for, for, for the purpose of sharing today. I found it quite interesting that in the New Testament, uh, all the, um, the, in the New Testament, particularly, Particularly in the, the, the last chapter of the New Testament writings, um, they, the, 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 the author writes it like it is a memorial wall or credits at the end of a movie. What I mean by that, if you've ever been to uh, or these old buildings and walked into these old buildings, you'll have noticed that the walls are uh, engraved or they have names of people uh, that lived way back before you were even born. And those names are a dedication of what these people did in society and uh, how they contribute, contributed in so, to society. And um, if you take time to read those names, to go through those names, your mind starts wondering how those people were. Was this person a mean person? Was he a, 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 a happy person? Um, as you go through those names, you start wondering the, uh, the times that they lived. How was the time that they lived? Was it a harsh time? Was it a, a COVID time? How was it during those days? But you know, our days right now that we live in, uh, compared to the days that they lived in, are different. We lived in fast-paced um, times where you don't even have a moment to stop and read names because it's a waste of time. You don't have that moment to read those names. You think it's a waste of time. How many of us at the end of a movie sit and read the credits all the way to the end? We sit and say, oh, John did the animation. Sarah did the vocals. So-and-so did the CGI. Not many of us do that. And the reason why some would sit through, uh, through the credits of a movie is because there's either an end scene that's coming up or you're fast asleep. That's why you're still sitting and watching the, uh, sitting and, and the movie is still playing. You see, the reason why I bring up that, these points is that when we read the Word of God, when we come to the Word of God where there is a collection of names, we zone out. We, we blank out. When we read Numbers, how many people love the book of Numbers? Uh, Shona. <laughs> we zone out. When we read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, when we read so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, but the fourth begot, we are like, okay, God, I beget that the word begot is the, is the important word. Let me go to the next part. In the New Testament writings, we find names of people at the end, at the last chapter. In the last chapter, the last words, where Paul greets certain people, and instructs certain people. And the last chapter is a very important uh, portion of any book. Remember back in the days, what we would do is, when we were told to read a book, we would read the last chapter, because in the last chapter, it it, it, it contains all the important information 
that you need to know. It is the conclusion, the summary. It is the piecing together of everything that you need to know. All the other chapters have been building up to the last chapter, the last words. In the novel, it is where the hero overcomes his arch nemesis. In the last chapter, it is where the mystery or the secret is finally revealed that has been eluding us all these chapters. In the last chapter, it is where the young man or the, 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 the guy, the nerd or whatever, rides off, sells off or drives off into the sunset with the girl and they live happily ever after. The last chapter is very important. And in the New Testament, the last chapter or the last words are all about community. It is a building up to saying, do community. The New Testament writings are not about verses, how many verses you can take, and the, but rather it is how many of those verses you can apply in the community. That is what the New Testament verses or the Bible, the purpose of the Bible. You can fill your whole head with scripture knowledge and not apply it. You'll be as good as a well-printed, leather-bound Bible that sits on a coffee table, only good for decoration, never opened up. Today's message is called Faces in Verses. I normally don't come up with a title to a message I normally come up with a message, then I paste the title. But on Monday, Tuesday, as I was praying, these are the words that came in my spirit as I waited on the Lord and, and I was like, God, what should I speak on uh, on Sunday? It's my turn to share. And this is what came up, faces in verses. And what does it mean when I, when I talk about faces, when I mention faces in verses? It simply talks about community. It is not about people uh, taking Scripture and memorizing Scripture and, and, and consuming uh, uh, Scripture, taking so much Scripture and not applying it. It is about those same Scriptures bringing life in the context of community. What do those Scriptures do when you are face-to-face -face with other people? In 2 John 12, 2 John 12, the Word of God says the following. It says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The gospel is a face-to-face -face gospel. It is an in-your-face or direct uh, contact gospel. It is not a gospel about paper and ink, black and white, red letters of Jesus Christ, but it is an in-your-face gospel. It is not about the amount of messages that you can listen or the preaching you can accumulate and listen and, and all the teachings that you can, you, you, you can uh, dissect and, and uh, teach people. It's not about the revelation that you can reveal to people. But ladies and gentlemen, the gospel is about the life that you share and live with other people. It's an in-your-face gospel. It is a one-another gospel. That is what the gospel is. Many people have made the mistake of, of making the gospel all about how many scriptures they can quote rather than how many scriptures they can live out with one another. 
as you apply the Scriptures. In Acts 2, verse 42, the Word of God says, they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, verses and fellowship, faces. They devoted themselves to verses and faces. And before you stone me, yes, back in those days, they did not have the Bible as we, we do have today. But the same teachings that they were receiving are the teachings that were canonized and put together into chapters and verses. That is why I say they devoted themselves to verses and faces. They did not only devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the doctrine, but they also devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves and valued people and put value in people. They looked at people as valuable. They attached value to people, and hence they built relationships with people. Relationships that, that lasted and stood the test of time. Relationships that were strong and built on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Relationships built on love, honor, and sacrifice. Kilton spoke about love. Vesey spoke about honor. Today I'll be talking about sacrifice. Relationships built on or, and crafted on and labored on tables and knees. I'll explain what I mean by tables and knees. But firstly, 3 John 14 says the following. And the, 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 the scriptures are, there are four letters that you should never struggle with chapters. Only four letters, I think, in the Bible. It's 2 John, 3 John, uh, Philemon or Philemon, or however you want to pro pronounce it, and Jude. Three or four of these. You don't bother with chapters. It's just verses. So, 3 John 14. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet, your fr greet the friends by name. When I read that scripture, it challenged my Christianity. It really, really challenged my Christianity. I stopped and I looked at it again and again, and I went into, into the Greek to check whether this was actually true. I went into other versions to check if this was true. Ladies and gentlemen, the gospel is not a face recognition gospel only. It's not about, hey, I know that face, or I know that face, or I know that baby, they come to church. The gospel, ladies and gentlemen, is not a name it and claim it gospel where you pick verses and you name things and you claim things. The gospel, ladies and gentlemen, is a name her and name him gospel. That is what it means to be a true Christian and true believer, when you can name him and name her. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I know you. I hope you know them. The gospel is about true relationships. Because if I can greet you by name, it means I know you. I might not know you intimately, but you may be, I may be acquainted to you. I may not know everything about you, but I know something about you. For me to greet you by name, it means I know you. And it got me to think, what causes people to remember people's names? 
What is that thing that makes people able to remember people's names? And because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, I came up with two points, two reasons. The first one is, your name is not difficult to remember. Parents, please. When you name your children, don't give them difficult names. Because you will make it hard for people to remember their names. We, you, will, <laughs> you will be like uh, these, these African old men. When they see babies and they don't know their name, they're like, Hello, baby. How are you? They don't know the name. So please help us remember your children's name by giving them easy names. The second reason why people don't remember names or remember names is because of value attached. Value attached. Think about it. The reason why you remember your barber's name or your hairdresser's name is because there's a value that you have attached to it, to that individual. If it's not because that person is a good friend, it's not because that person is a great person, it's because you have attached a value called haircut and a hairdo to that person. Therefore, you will remember their name. Quick exercise. Give me the name of your boss or your teacher. Give me the name of your sibling. Give me the name of your spouse, your girlfriend or your friend or your boyfriend or your project that you're working on. And I hope, I hope it's one name. Don't be, like, don't be like that soccer player. After the soccer match, he was, asked, he was given the man of the match award and, and he said, I would like to thank my wife and my girlfriend. He wasn't the man of the match when he got home. That I can, I can bet you. Give me the name of your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer, your Healer, your Provider. Give me that name, Jesus. Now give me the name of the God at Zonki Zizwe. You know, the reason why you you might not have that name. It's because of limited time that you have spent, limited interaction or no interaction with the God. And not to, not to beat you or to hit you down, it's because of value attached to that person. There's no value that you have attached to that person. I don't know them, so <laughs> we're together in this. There's no value I've attached to that person. Therefore, I cannot remember or do not know the name. I cannot remember the face. No value that I've attached to that individual. When you attach value, you're willing to spend time and share your time with that thing or that person. Therefore, value is a direct influence to interaction. And hence, you remember people's names. So if we don't value each other in church, that means we don't spend just a little bit of time with each other or with an individual. And therefore, you will not remember a person's name. <laughs> 
In Acts 2, verse 42, it says the following, and this is how we, we remember each other's names. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to breaking of bread, tables, and prayers, knees. Tables and knees, ladies and gentlemen, are a sacrificial life. If you are willing to know somebody and have a relationship with, uh, with a person, you need to be able to sacrifice something. And sometimes it's just sacrificing time, money, and just, uh, just, just having time with that person. It's a sacrifice for me to spend time with certain individuals. So what do I mean by tables? Tables, ladies and gentlemen, food is great. How many people can give me an amen to that? Food is great. Food is even greater when you have it with these three Fs. When it's in the company of your friends, your family, and your foes. Even in the company of your foes, food is great. You might be suspicious of them, but food is great. And so, when we talk about tables, we are not saying in community, we are not talking about eating and drinking. Because in Romans 14, verse 17, it says the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. But there is something special that happens around the table. Gods are let down. Walls are broken. People relax and they become who they are. In Revelation 3, verse 20, this is the, Jesus says the following, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So God wants us to be in fellowship through tables. But fellowship is, is, um, is, is, a, is bonding over something that we share. And that something is not food in this case, but it is a someone. It is a shared person. When we have community with one another, it's not about what is on the table. It's about who is at the table. Fellowship and community requires a unifier, and that unifier is Jesus Christ. We are unified by Jesus. Right now, whenever we meet together, the unifier is Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we see a selfless person, a person who gave of himself and sacrificed of himself. At the table in the Last Supper, Jesus says, take this bread, it is my body. Take this cup, it is my blood. He is showing us that at the table, when we gather together, they should be sacrificed or you sacrificing or laying down of your life for another person. We ought to lay our lives down for one another. Community is not about life shared, but it's also, it's not only about life shared, but it's about life laid down for one another. In John 15, verse 13, it says the following, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And when we meet together and we're in community together, we are saying we are friends. You may not necessarily like the team that I like or like the political party that I like, but we are friends. It's friendship is when I can look to my left 
and I can look to my right and see people on the same mission as I am and people fighting the same battles as I'm fighting. That is what is community. Community is forged not only in the fun stuff, but it's forged in the hard times. When we are going through hard times and there is somebody there with you saying, I will stand with you no matter what you are going through. Even if you are wrong and you have, you have killed someone, I will stand with you. I am there with you. That is what community is. Community is forged on knees. That's my next point, knees. In Colossians 1 verse 3. Colossians 1 verse 3. It says, I give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. This scripture was written to a church in Colossia by a man called Paul. He had never seen these individuals, probably never saw them. But he says, he uses this word, I pray for you always. If you check the word always, in the Greek, it means always. In the Russian, it means always. In Debele, it means always. In Shana, it means always. Just like in English, it means always. So Paul is saying, I am constantly praying for you. I am continuously praying for you guys. I am always praying for you. And I used to find it difficult reading the scripture as I was growing up as a, a young Christian. I used to find it quite difficult. It was one of those scriptures where you say, really poor. But I realized that I was looking at it through the wrong lens. And the lens I was looking at it from was a lens of self. But when you look at it through the lens of community, you realize it is possible to pray always for people. Always to put people before you. To sacrifice yourself and put people before you. It is very possible. And the reason why most people in their prayer list, there is no person that features. is because after you have prayed for your Bugatti, you have prayed for your Ferrari, you have prayed for your private jet. You have prayed for your mansion and for you to be a billionaire. There is absolutely no space for any person to feature. In James 4 verse 3, the word of God says the following. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. The reason why most of our prayers are never answered is because it's all about me, myself, and I. That is the only community that we know, me, myself, and I. There is absolutely no one else in our prayers. There is nothing wrong to pray for yourself. There is nothing wrong. But a community-minded person will find themselves on their knees, praying for other people and sacrificing themselves and saying, I would rather pray for other people than myself. Just as Paul says in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom all families in heaven and earth are named. I am bowing my knees and I'm praying to the Father of community, 
to the father of relationships, to the father of fellowship. That is the person I am praying to. How do we, or what do I pray for when it comes to praying for people? That may be your question. I don't know what to pray for when it comes to praying for people. That's a good question to ask. I think, first and foremost, give you two reasons. Not the sharpest two in the shed. Two reasons. First reason, first and foremost. It's important for you to live a life face-to-face with people, to be in relationship with people. You will get to know the struggles they go through, what they need, the celebrations they celebrate, the, thanksgive, the, the thankfulness that they, the, that they are thankful for, and you'll be able to, when you get down on your knees, pray according to what they need. So it is important for you and I to constantly be in the face of people and getting to know them. Number two, it is important for us to pray prayers from the Word of God. Take verses and pray them over faces. Take verses and pray them over faces. And there are three such prayers that you can always pray over faces, over people. And these are New Testament prayers and not Old Testament prayers. The difference between the Old Testament prayers and the New Testament prayers is that in the Old Testament, I would ask that God would smite you with all manner of pestilence and, and, uh, and sword. And, and I would, if you can take a prayer in Psalms and you, will, you can literally pray that people would die. Not everything in the Bible is what we apply in this new dispensation that we live as believers. So there are New Testament prayers, and there are three of them that you will find in the, in the New Testament. And these are divinely inspired prayers to the churches and for the churches. They are found in Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 19. Found in Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. They are found in Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14. These are New Testament prayers. And because of time, I, don't, I will not have much time. I will go, we will go through the one prayer, which is found in Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 14. Verse 15, I think. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Are we there yet? It says the following. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The first thing that you pray is for people to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. We, people still do not know Jesus Christ. They are still growing and 
growing into that head. And so when you pray, you're praying for people to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The second thing you pray, and it's also two points, is the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. For, ladies and gentlemen, your physical eyes cannot see what God really wants to do in and through you. But you have spiritual eyes. And God wants to open up your eyes so that you may understand three things. That you may understand, number one, you can continue with the, with the scripture. Number one, you may understand the hope of his calling. You see, you are not born again so that you go to heaven only. You are born again so that you do kingdom here on earth. You have a mission here on earth. And so when you pray for people, you're saying, God, I am praying that these people may find their calling and their purposes here on earth. That is what I am praying for. Number two, you're praying that they may know the inheritance of the saints inside of them. Every person here has got an inheritance if you're born again. There is an inheritance that God has deposited inside of you. But the Bible says it is for kings to discover a matter. It is for you to discover what is that inheritance inside of you. Otherwise, you will die never knowing that you were spiritually rich. And you will always live like a defeated Christian. So there is always an inheritance that you can pray for people to discover. Number three, there is an exceeding power that is operating inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ is the same power that's operating inside of you. If you've ever been to a power plant, before you even get to, to inside the, the buildings of a power plant, the, the ground is shaking. There is a buzzing noise. And that shows you the amount of power that is in that place. And you have not yet discovered the amount of power that resides inside of you. You still think that you are a weak Christian and therefore we always need to pray for each other that we discover and we get to know the exceeding power of God inside each one, person, each one of us. So what will you take home? Take home this. It's important for us to be to share our lives and lay down our lives. Lay down our lives through meeting together. Lay down our lives through praying for one another. 